show from a heavy metal perspective. From Danzig to death, to Dark Throne to Dr. Shrinker. Buckle up, things are about to get heavy. This is the Metal Podcast. Let's rock and roll. And welcome to the 40th episode of the Metal Podcast. I am your host, DJ, and I'm joined with as always my my partner in crime the man he needs no introduction he he may uh you know he he may be recalled as uh, the main attraction ac how are you doing today buddy i'm good on our 40th anniversary you know where, where <laughs> does the time go <laughs> exactly and, and you know we've got uh a very special guest today and and he doesn't need an introduction but I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give a good one because he has played in over 2,000 live shows, been on nearly 60 albums. He is the extraordinary virtuoso bass player for Soul Sign and Dio Returns and Dio Disciples. He's also played bass for Yingmi Malmsteen, Quiet Riot, um, MSG Survivor, uh, vocalist uh, Robin McCauley, Scorpions guitarist Uli John Roth, and Tony McAlpine. Um, Bjorn England, how are you today, sir? And thank you for joining us. Thank you. I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Uh-huh. I uh, just I went to uh, a really great friend's uh, birthday party last night. It was really good to see him and friends I hadn't seen in some of them 20 years. So it was really, uh-huh. really cool. And uh, all those kind of windy and chilly here where I'm at, it's uh, Southern California, Los yeah, Angeles. Same. It's, yeah. it's uh, <laughs> it, it, you know, I'm great. So can't complain, you know. Sundays are nice because you know they're, they're quiet. So <laughs> yeah, yeah and I guess um, it sounds like you had fun, but not too much fun at the birthday party. You know, it seems you know uh, you're never never too old to have a good time, right? So it's good yeah. to, good to see friends and to you know we're now able to uh, mm-hmm. mingle again, which is which is cool. So glad yeah. glad to anything hear that in you're... moderation is 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 wonderful, and you know like. <laughs> like... <laughs> Especially friends. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, looking at your background, it's interesting. So you are, you know, from Sweden and we've had a few Swedish guests on our show and, and we, we kind of, AC will, will have a, a specific question to ask you uh, about that. But uh, oh, it's will. interesting that you, you were a, a drummer before becoming a bass player. And I'm just interested how your musicianship started. What what got you into it? Did you hear something? Or, or is this, like, as a lot of guests say, is, hey, I was, just, I was born into it. The family was all, you know, musicians. And didn't have a choice. <laughs> well, if I go way back... I think it started when I was like six years old. I discovered the band Kiss with uh, true friends and and listening to a lot of their songs. And we would dress up with the makeup and <laughs> you know use like tennis rackets as guitars and invite girls in the neighborhood to come over. You know because we wanted to. You know that was like right after the Love Gun album came out. Oh and, yeah. And, uh, you know there's four of us and we uh, we we had a lot of fun. So you know and I didn't really play music at that point and uh my family was kind of limited to in that sense musically inclined some of them uh i think most of them really um but you know my parents never really played much my my mom would play the organ a little bit stuff like that 
Um, you can tell my dad's musically inclined when he, you know, he's singing and whistling and all that kind of stuff around the house, but music wasn't really around that much. And, uh, in the family, my older brother played the keyboards and the organ a little bit. My younger brother picked up the guitar, uh, but that was probably after the I had started picking up the bass. I think around the same time, maybe uh, I was thirteen. Yeah, after that, because he was he's like a lot younger than me. So, but yeah, so it wasn't really much in the family, but more like in the neighborhood and friends and things like that. Uh, I, I, so after you know getting older and everything like when i was still a young kid you know seven eight nine ten eleven i, I listened more to like top 40 a lot of pop more so and then wouldn't didn't really start listening to like rock again until i was like 11 12 maybe hmm. and that's when i started discovering like all the judas priest and iron maiden and acdc and uh, black sabbath the list goes on and on dio um all yeah. that stuff and then you know you know, 13, 14, I just got, you know, Deep Purple, Rainbow, and another door opened. And I have certain friends to thank all this for, because back then in Sweden, there was no classic rock radio almost at all. I think we had on Fridays for a while, we had like a one hour hard rock metal show. <laughs> and other than that, there's there's no radio, no TV, no two channels. There was, this is before like MTV and all this stuff. So, uh, right. If you you know if you were gonna get exposed to something when you're really young, like when you're so young that you're not you're too young to take the bus downtown to go to the record store, your friends were the the ones that introduced you to stuff. So I you know I thank them for a lot of that because I have a few friends in the neighborhood and they, they they bought a lot of records and I would borrow their records and more so than you know I bought a few on my own and everything. But it, it, that's kind of like how <laughs> I I get really into like hard rock and metal at that point with 12 13 and uh around the same time i had a friend who who was he was more into punk music and he loved kiss also and he loved the the runaways was another mm, <laughs> very fan oh, yeah. of his and but he was more into punk music and he had a punk fan scene and then i was like well he was a really good writer and good with a layout and art and he was really great at drawing and all that stuff so he inspired me to start my own fan scene but of course, mine was going to be about metal and stuff like that. So oh, yeah. that kind of got me more into the whole scene and getting to know the bands and, and interviewing bands and writing and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> but me and him started a band together, a punk band called uh, uh, A Buck 25 for a Yogurt, which is a crazy name. <laughs> he came up with it. I was like, what? So it was a silly name. And his dad had built a, a guitar with one string and like a like some sort of amp like it, it was pretty crazy so he built the guitar like just out of you know plywood or whatever um that's pretty cool <laughs> and we we played we had drumsticks and we played drums on a pillow and we put a microphone and we recorded <laughs> songs like punk songs and we'd sing in swedish mostly and oh, awesome. uh, we send we would send them to magazines and they were they would re review them and 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 we're like no we, we played the drums on the pillow and they're like no no you didn't you're lying like it sounds great and we're like no it doesn't sound great <laughs> we still have the t my friend still has the tape somewhere i was gonna yeah. ask uh, if we really, put that, that on youtube <laughs> that's metal history come on <laughs> yeah oh my goodness it's yeah it's it's, it's hilarious and you listen to it it's like it's it's great so you um, call it call it the pillow sessions <laughs> 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 oh lord yeah so uh um 
we, uh, yeah, we, we, we just kind of started that way. And then I, I, you know, other friends of mine that were into like rock music were that I hung out with, they started picking up the guitar or the drums, but nobody picked up the bass. And I'm like, how come nobody's picking up the bass? And then there was this band across the street and they were a few years older than me, that, that punk band that I would, I would walk over and, and watch them rehearse. And I was looking, I would be watching the bass drum. I'm like, that's crazy. How big that bass, that guitar is and big strings. And it sounds so fast. And I'm like, that's what I want to do. So that was like one of those moments where I'm like, I want to play the bass. And I couldn't understand why nobody wanted to pick up the bass. Cause I'd be like, wow, you know, I, I was just, you know, even like the simple the bands like ACDC and Judas Priest where the bass lines were pretty simple. I was just fascinated. I was like, man, that's what I want to do. And of course, like a little bit later on, like Steve Harris from my mm. maiden was oh, like, yeah. became one of my, my heroes and stuff like that. And his songwriting and his stage presence and all that stuff as well. Eddie so, Lee. Uh, I'm sorry. Getty Lee. Getty Lee. You know, I, I never really got into rush. I really appreciate his bass playing. Always appreciated his bass playing, but I was never a fan of his voice. I was never really a, a Rush fan. I understand um, that completely. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but I was yeah. just specifically talking about him as a bass player. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. But he was never really like an influence. You know, I, I probably because I didn't really like the band. And I didn't really listen to them too much. But like hearing them. Like when I came to the United States and to be on the radio all the time and listen and going, oh my God, he's a great bass player. So I can totally understand how people were influenced by him. And um, so that's kind of like how I, I got started on the bass. I was about 13 years old and then I never looked back. I, I never really started on guitar. So, which I'm really happy about because a lot, so many people that start on guitar and play, people that play guitar for a while and then switch to bass, it's almost like they end up sounding like uh, guitar players trying to play bass for the rest of their lives. It's like the approach is just not quite like a bass player's approach to the instrument. So I'm kind of glad that I, you know, I play enough like a guitar player sometimes to cover like, you know, I've played a lot of power trios with where there's only one guitar player. So I have to cover a lot of ground. So I, I do have to play like a guitar player out of necessity and, and, you know, which is great. It's, it's, it's a bass guitar after all. So it's, it's all, it's all good, but you know, um, it's it's been great. I mean, you know, I I, I knew I picked the right instrument. I um, I kind of started out playing the drums for a couple of months. My mom, out of you know, blew my mind. She picked up a drum kit. I'm like, Mom, are you okay? Like like, you, are you sure you want that noise around the house? And it wasn't really my parents. I'd I'd be practicing or playing or noodling whatever. I I'd, I'd never really learned how to play. It was just I, I had them for a couple of months, and I'd look out and I see the neighbors in the neighborhood on the street talk and look over and I'm like, Oh, this is going to be a problem. They're like, their neighbors are really an, already annoyed. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm looking at the stands with all these screws and things. I'm going like, this is no, no, it's just too, too complicated, <laughs> too much stuff to, to, to set up and tear down every time. And so I was like, you know what? I had already like thought about playing the bass at that point. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go with the bass. And, and so the drum kit got sold and I don't remember who we sold it to, but, uh gene hogwin so no no looking back <laughs> really you know and you know when you're when you're bass player you're mobile on stage and, and i kind of wanted to be mobile and connect more with the audience that was like part of like part of the reason too i think you know so yeah do you do you like cannibal corpse 
Incredible corp. You know, my friend that I started a punk band, he was into those really heavy bands. So we we listen. I never really got into when it was too like really heavy bands. I never really. I, I mean, I I'd like you know maybe two songs I'd, I'd listen to, and then after that it, it became too much. You know, so. Well, I always I always I bring up the bass player in that band, Alex Webster, who is uh, he has gone on to basically be one of the legendary bass players. But his reason for when someone said, "Why'd you play bass?" And he said, well, I wanted to be in a band and everyone played guitar. So I figure I could be better at bass, but then it would take for me to be good at guitar and they would need a bass player. Yeah. Well, I, and I got to be honest with you. I was never that attracted to guitar as, although I listened to a lot of guitar driven music, it never really was like, oh, I want to play guitar. But when I saw bass players, I was like, that's what I want to do. You know, I don't know why, but it's just, it was more of a, that's the sound of it. And the, that's a big instrument and, and the strings are really big. I was like, that's cool. That's powerful. So, that, <laughs> but yeah, so, it wasn't, it wasn't so much though. Oh, if I don't play bass, I won't be in a band. It was more like, I couldn't understand why people didn't pick up the bass. And then I was like, well, I'm going to pick up the bass and I'll be, I'll be unique. You know what I mean? So, um, well, there, there, there are, gosh, just in the LA area, how, how many guitar players do you think there are in a 30 mile radius? Like it's got like, it just guitar players in general, not just not, not picking a genre. It's, it's probably around a million. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like, well, like going I, to the, a, like to the Valley of Riverside, you know, even mm -hmm. the, like the border of Orange County, like it's, it's probably at least a million people that play guitar. That own a guitar plays. Sure. Yeah. But I, I would probably guess that 70% of them left the city and moved to other, you know, uh, Las that's, Vegas and that's they possible. Left the, too. They left the business, they stopped playing or they, they moved to uh, Texas or Florida or whatever. Ah, uh, that's possible. A lot too. of people left, but yeah, but there's still, there's still many, many around. Uh, absolutely. Right. I think, yeah. I think you, you're right. There's, there's, there's hundreds of thousands of them probably, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but like if someone wants to play a, in a band, you know, it's, it's much mm. easier to find a guitar player than to find quality supporting members. So, and I, I go back to that Alex Webster example a lot because he was a guy, he yeah. wanted to be in a band, like specifically, like that's my goal. I want to be in a band. And he yeah. found a way to turn himself into something desirable because wa watching him play bass, it is really incredible. Him and, and like Les Claypool, like people that can really like rip on it, on the bass. It, it is, it's very, it's different than a guitar because mm. even uh, I'm not going to sell anyone short for whatever they do. Like you're good yeah. at guitar or the piano or drums. Like it's still like, it's still an achievement to, to be a master of, of any instrument. Yeah. Well, bass is definitely, uh, it's, uh, physically much bigger harder to push down the strings, the notes. And you have to, if you want to be a good bass player, you really have to know your fretboard and your, your, 
you you basically playing like you're playing like a guitar solo like the entire time, but you can't get away with being sloppy. Like a guitar player can believe play sloppy solo and everybody's like yeah that's great tone i know it you play you play long you play the wrong notes as a bass player the whole the, the whole band will turn around and be like what are you doing you know what i mean so it's 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 you it's people need to be careful what they wish for if you want to play really simple uh bass in a punk band or something that's it's might be easy but it's not an easy instrument if you want to uh, you know evolve and uh and, uh, and become become more proficient you know uh, yeah I, w- I was in a band not too long ago and I, I was the bass player and then like we were practicing it, w- it was like on the third hour i was like i have to stop like they they couldn't process that my my two fingers were hurting like and i just couldn't go anymore like they, like they couldn't they they couldn't they're like no no yeah. like oh if you're tired we'll take a break i'm like no, i physically can't do it like and yeah. then oh, 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 you can't no yeah and and paint, yeah. yeah and you're doing that like nightly like that mm. your your fingers 2, don't like shows yeah 2000 <laughs> shows yeah like, how many hours yeah. how ca- the how pain, the pain and the blisters is a must you know you have to get through that to build your calluses you know yes. once you get past that you know it, it, it would take a lot for me to get blisters now but once in a while it's like i'm going like no i think i'm starting to get a little, little bit of a blister if i'm digging in and i'm playing you know really hard or trying to you know for a while let's get a long rehearsal or or show or something like that but yeah it's um that's part of it man you know <laughs> you ever get cut up so, like you're not a blister but you ever just like you know get a nick not, not well it, it happened a couple of times this is a, this is a picture for me when i was 18 playing a show with a band in back in sweden i had cut my finger and i did i don't at first i didn't realize that a friend of mine was at the show taking pictures and i was i was bleeding out of white base and and i was bleeding all over the base that's and I'm pretty like, metal that's awesome like, that's that's very metal I'm like, yeah especially growing up with like you know gene simmons and the blood and all that stuff i'm like that's pretty cool yeah too bad that can't be your thing right yeah just cut your fingers and <laughs> bleed all over the place well you know what you, you got go. you got special effects these days you could fake yeah. it you could put a little thing up your <laughs> sleeve you know make it look like that well uh you uh, uh can i assume you like the big four thrash bands Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You so know. they, they did a, the, the tour that they did, the, the big four tour, mm-hmm. you know, like 10 years ago or so. And there's a little yeah. behind the scenes documentary and, and Frank mm-hmm. Bellow is like, this is what happens when you play too hard. He shows his fingers to the, to the camera and one of his fingers is cut open and he just had some super glue on him and he just super glued his finger. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering, is that a problem that you, uh, that would happen to you these days? I mean, not really. I mean, it's, it's, I don't play that hard, but I mean, you can accidentally hit your, if you, the bridge is sharp or something, accidentally hit something and, and, you know, get injured and stuff like that. But not typically, you know, um, I think I, I injure my hands from doing other things, you know, fixing stuff around a house or, or, you know, fixing my car or, <laughs> you know, it's more likely to, to do that. And that, that's the stuff I got to be careful with, you know. Uh, we're, we're, we're supposed to wear gloves when you're doing certain things. That's you you got to protect yeah. your hands. Come on. <laughs> the, your your money makes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're absolutely hundred percent right about that. Yeah. What have you been listening to lately? <laughs> it's funny when people ask me that I, I, for uh, the longest time I listened to a lot of nothing. I like silence. Um, I, you know, 
Um, once in a bloom when a, a great band comes out, I listen to their their, their latest album. Um, I, I don't really recall, but you know, I'll be, I like you know just sometimes stumbling upon like YouTube clips and stuff like that, Van Halen documentaries, all that stuff, you know you know, um, whoever, whatever bands and Deep Purple, whatever, stuff like that. It's just interesting to, to hear about, you know, what happened to this guy and why why did this happen and stuff like that. And obviously, I love love those bands a lot. So um, I honestly don't think there's been a lot of great music that came out in the last 30 years. I hate to say it, but like there's, there's uh, I don't like the way that a lot of stuff is produced. I don't I, it's cookie cutter it's fake this and fake that uh -huh. and they replace the drums and all this stuff it's just it doesn't grab me like the uh, the organic music used to you know for that's one of the reasons and also i think a lot of a lot of the bands they, they all try to sound the same they get to hire the same guys to mix them and they all there's a lot of a lot of cookie cutter way way too much and and it's, it's a shame because i think there's a lot of talent out there i just don't think anybody dares to Say, oh, we're going to record this organically, and we're really going to play, and we're not going to replace the drums, and we're not going to auto tune the vocals. <laughs> I, I think people, I think people that feel like, oh, we got to, we got to, we have to be competitive and be be competing with the other bands that that do fake it. So, I don't know. It's just uh, to me, it's it's really a shame, you know, because I think the talent's there. And uh, I hear the same thing with, I can't say that a lot of people play bass, like the people used to play bass in the 60s and the 70s and even the 80s, some of them. Um, nobody, nobody plays like Geddy Lee or, 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 or John Entwistle or John Paul Jones or Billy Sheehan. And Billy Sheehan's still around doing his thing, but nobody really plays bass like that anymore. You know, I, I rarely hear bass players that, that really... Uh, do what it, you know and add to the music and if, if you don't have the bass adding to the music to me it's like why why are you following the guitar 100 percent of the time and it's just um I, to me it's um uh, you know and then and then when they mix the music too it's like bass is the last thing that they focus on oh, that's not important you know we need to hit the drums really loud and the double kick really <laughs> loud and who cares what the bass player does and it's just kind of like uh, you're really missing a, a huge element of the music in my opinion you know and I'm not saying that because I'm a bass player, but I think I understand it more because I'm a bass player. You know, people, I, a lot of people that don't play music, they they don't they don't they can't hear the difference between a bass and a guitar. They don't know that it's a bass a lot of times. So wow. you, you you take John Paul Jones out of Led Zeppelin, it's it's not Led Zeppelin anymore. It's you might as well you know not even bother listening to it. In my opinion, so it's. Uh, you know, and and that's a huge, huge one of the one of the reasons I don't really, you know, dig into new acts and bands as much. I mean, there's a lot of good ones, and I'd be like, oh, that's a great band, that's a great song, and that sounds nice, or a great singer, or whatever. It's just, uh, but uh, a lot of it is cookie cutter, you know, and it's just that's not that great, in my opinion. But well, a great example of that last thing you brought up is Injustice for All, where they just took the bass out. Yeah. Have um, you, have you heard it with bass? I I have not. Um, but I think it's honestly, I think it's a really nice album, even without the bass. I'm going like, Oh my, and I was always thinking like, what if they, they mix the bass properly 
It exists. Oh my god! I I no, I have now that you mentioned that I have to go back and and hear it because I I heard that did it get remixed or or something? I, I, I think know. a fan did it. I uh, and okay. some yeah because I, I I saw I saw it because I I don't mm-hmm. like Metallica for and it's yeah. not because of their music. It's, it's and and I think a lot of the problems you just brought up all came mm-hmm. from Metallica and it all is kind of like a like a ripple of the Black album where and we talked about this last week where. Mm-hmm. Everything is so overproduced now. And, and I, I put out my album, which is available, you know, for anyone listening again. And Ancestor's I, call. Yeah, yeah. Endure by Ancestors Call. I, I mixed and mastered <laughs> it myself. And it's, it's very obvious that I did it by myself. It's extremely amateur. It's not well mixed or, or it's mastering's okay. It's whatever, but the songs are good. And I'm, I'm very proud of the songs. And that used to be a thing where like records would come out and then there would be a lot of flaws in the production, but the songs were good. And that's, what's Mm -hmm. given them shelf life where now, because, because you say the talents out there, well, also the tools are out there. Like there's no, like if you have the, you, if you have like a little bit of a budget to spend Mm -hmm. on just like someone to mix or, or master, you can make Mm -hmm. anything sound perfect. Cause the black album is probably the best produced rock album of all time. As well, far as just, I just mean the empire one might be even better in my opinion. No, maybe that's, that's all about all about taste. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. You're okay. yeah. And, but I don't think, I, I think with, I think the unforgiven is a good song hmm. and, uh, nothing else matters is okay. I think every other song on that album is not good. Even Inter Sandman, mm-hmm. I, I, Inter Sandman is is average at best, especially mm-hmm. coming off of the album that had Dyer's Eve, Blackened, and even one like like. And Justice for All is a good album, and I do like the mm-hmm. sound of it, but like missing bass, especially when you hear it now. You go back and, and hear because Jason Newstead, mm-hmm. he brings a lot of energy when when he when he plays the bass. He's a very aggressive. Very underrated bass player. And it's, it's why they hired him, honestly, because mm. Les Claypool auditioned for Metallica after Cliff Burton tragically passed. And yeah. they, they went with Jason Newstead over Les Claypool. And that, and that, and that's saying something mm. like, cause well, know, Les, I, I, it's not just who, who's the best guy, who's the style. most appropriate guy. For yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. You, you, uh, you, that's, that's really, I think what it boils down to, but like, yeah, I mean, you know, and and but speaking of production and and you know, um, you're you're 100 right. Like being focused on the song and the, the performance of the song. How, if you feel it, you know, with you know, like remember back in the day when when we I don't know if we're, we're all all of us are old enough to remember the the four track uh, oh. little port, portable studios, the task camps and all that stuff. Oh yeah, uh, Fostex was another brand I think, but like it's. You know, I hear fantastic recordings on that. Not just that they were the maybe audio-wise, they obviously could be better. But like, if if the song's there, if you feel the song, if the performance is good, then that's what's going to grab the audience. You can have the best production in the world, but if if the performance in the song is not a hundred percent, it's uh, you know, it's um, you're not there. So I think back in the day. Um, People, people had played the songs live many, many times. Uh, the, the, the bands had played the songs live many, many times before they recorded them. So they, they, they allow the, the songs to mature, mature and, and, and get to where the, they needed 
to be um, and performance wise too, you know, even more importantly. I, um, so when they went to record them, it was like, wow, here it is, you know, delivered uh, really nicely. So um, yeah, you know, it's it's a different approach now. People even record remotely, and <laughs> I mean, I do it all the time when I do sessions for people. I it, and it's you can get really nice results that way too. Uh, but there's nothing like being in a room with 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 two or three or four guys and and laying down the tracks and working on the songs and and all that I'd, stuff. It's I'd a, say it's more it's fun too to to be with your friends recording and you know just yeah. having that more human experience. I know I understand you know it, it, if you're you know in Sweden or or in New York and you got guys in Florida and California, you know what? There's no other mm-hmm. way to do it. So I'd rather have you know that out and the ability to yeah. do it but um yeah like we, we've actually had some experience w- with the four track we, we uh you know ac and i were in a band years oh, ago I was our first drummer. demo was on four track <laughs> yeah oh wow yeah and, it didn't, and we, it, honestly it didn't even sound that bad i think it's no, just we, it we just didn't know like really what we were doing no and i i didn't really like recording you know i i, I was kind of like an inexperienced drummer and the recording thing kind of it gets in your head. And I was a lot younger. Now it would be like no problem, you know. But uh, yeah, yeah we, we had Andy LaRock on the show. I think I mentioned this last last episode as well. But, you know, he, he he's a um, producer and has his own studio um, in Sweden. And we asked him mm-hmm. about like, what are the differences now in recording? And he's like, well, <laughs> there's an, un- uh, an undo button now. <laughs> so yeah. so there are kind of good things with, with the newer ways of recording mm-hmm. but you know you got to take the good with with the bad and the ugly you know it seems mm-hmm. and, the, and... oh 100% i mean and it's it's getting back to basics a lot people people are using like nice warm preamps and even even recording some stuff on tape like drums and stuff like that mm-hmm. which is you know i mean the the digital world has come a long way and and uh hey it, it's it can be really great i just think that you it, anything in moderation like you know just don't overproduce stuff just to uh just to do it like let the music breathe and keep it organic i think a lot of times if you have if, especially if you have good players you have a good band there's no reason to overproduce things and and destroy the charm and the and the warmth of the of the organic performance you know I think you do more harm than good by doing that, in my opinion, you know, so. Yeah, the, no the, the problem isn't digital technology. It's just people become overly reliant on it, and it, it just takes mm-hmm. a lot of the soul out of it. Just because mm-hmm. you can make something sound perfect as far as, like, no flaws in the recording doesn't mean it sounds better. Do you like King Diamond? I do, yeah. Uh, Abigail is probably my favorite produced album of all time. It's not my favorite album, but just the the sound for it, it, it's just so perfect. It has just the right amount of spooky with every, every instrument sounding really nicely and it's all well mixed, but nothing Mm -hmm. sounds like that anymore. And and it's, Mm -hmm. and if anyone does make something that like, let's make it sound more raw, they intentionally make it sound bad instead of just Mm -hmm. let's record it this way. Cause you can make. You can probably have a plug-in on whatever DAW that will just like make it sound like 80s four track demo. I'm sure that exists. Like there's just some kind of plug-in that makes it as that like I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> 
Well, you know, and, and I've tried this, believe me, like where you go, I, I, it, it actually, people shouldn't be soloing tracks and, and listening to tracks that way, because if it sounds good in the mix, it is good. Because you solo tracks, sometimes they sound horrible, and then when you, but, but they sound amazing in the mix. And I've done that. I've taken noises of guitars out of the, you know, and then, and then it's like, it doesn't sound right. And I put the noise back in. Oh, there it is. Now it sounds right again. It's like part of the, part of the performance, part of the, the, the 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 instrument being alive and breathing and the human playing the instrument mm -hmm. you know uh, I bet if you soloed you know a Cliff Burton bass track or Eddie Van Halen guitar track I mean there's a lot of noise in there and there's a lot of stuff but that's part of what you know what 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 comes with the good performance is is just that you know it's it's all it's a package <laughs> you know, so. yeah, with the I... notes and the chords to come noise it's rock and roll you know so yeah have have uh, it does need an element of of grit to it like you just yeah. like if you want it to sound like sheeny and per or you know or shiny and perfect you know like yeah that's why uh you know come one of my favorite bands which i hope is one of yours too you know, make it sound like abba <laughs> there it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> are, are you an yeah, ABBA fan? A time, time and a place for everything, man. And and uh, oh my God, I love ABBA. And and the, there and we the go. Musicians <laughs> that played on those records. Oh my goodness! Like uh, um, the drummers and the bass players, especially, were just phenomenal. You know, uh, very very Timeless. tasteful bass lines. And, you know. Yeah, I think I think Upper music point. like that, like that that kind of pop, like pop now has kind mm -hmm. of a negative connotation to it because like, yeah. pop in the like fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, even into the nineties, yeah. it was musicians making music, and it was radio mm -hmm. or uh, radio uh, music executives saying like, "Oh, that's a hit! Like, put that out there, let yeah. the people hear it." Mm -hmm. Where now it's yeah. it's all synthesized, it's all constructed, it's all fake. Yeah. Where before, mm -hmm. you know, you have these nice poppy hits, like you get your Neil Diamond or, you know, uh, the, the Smiths, whatever, yeah. ABBA, that should sound good. But when you get to like Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, yeah. uh, I don't know, throw, throw, throw another one out there, Kiss, like, like yeah. even early Kiss wasn't even perfectly produced. Like there was, there was all, yeah. and, and and those albums are still talked about. They're still listened to. And it, the production doesn't matter as much when the songs are good. Where now it's kind of the inverse. Like with, with most, especially metal. Metal, unless you, you go to your hole in the wall and you find like some like, you know, up and coming thrash metal band or, you know, someone like that. Like you're going to, you're probably going to find some bands that are pretty good. But like the, the, the more commercial metal will say. That mm. stuff, it's, it's the production is good, but all the songs are bad. So at that point, who cares yeah. about your production? Mm. Like, I, I yeah, just, well, I, I think, I think the uniqueness too, of like letting bands be themselves and the bands understanding that being unique and being yourself is important. I think it's both. I think it's, I just, I don't, just don't see that much anymore. You know, it's uh I mean, you have a band with there's a singer's unique, but the rest of the band sounds like everything else, or or you know you got some sort of uniqueness somewhere in it. But it's not, you don't find these bands for like, they you know the whole band is 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 you know uh, is a great band where every every player is good and, and uh, unique and it just doesn't exist anymore. Like a, like a Van Halen or a Led Zeppelin and stuff like that. It's just I don't know if we'll, we'll ever see that again. You know. 
I, yeah, I would and, say we we it's not looking like it at this time <laughs> because the yeah. rock and roll has been not even benched. Like rock and roll is like not even fourth string. It's like you're maybe an you're an alternate's alternate. Mm. And uh, you, you're talking about like you know, Kiss was instrumental. What what if instead of hearing Kiss, like you heard um, nothing? You probably wouldn't be as inspired to pick up the bass. So if people don't know that rock and roll exists, then what incentive do young people have to be the next Steve Harris, the next Bruce Dickinson, the next Eddie yeah. Van Halen, next Rob Halford? Yeah. Well, I think they're back. You know, luck, luckily for 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 kids growing up now, they they have access to everything. They don't have to go to the record store or go to the friend's house to find music. It's all on YouTube and all these uh, other platforms uh, where you can find anything. And I think that's good in a way because they can. You know, you ask a ten year old kid what what song you want to learn. Don't don't. They'll be like, well, I want to learn such and such song by Led Zeppelin or the Beatles or Black Sabbath or, you know, you get that a lot, you know, so you make them choose. Sure enough, you know, they'll, they'll dig back 30, 40 years in time to find the great stuff. So I, you can call me dinosaur all day long and I probably am, but like, you know, I think, I think I'm speaking for, for, for young kids as well, you know, that, that we're just not. You know, the, the whole music business and the labels and all that stuff that put sort of in for, for decades, I, in my opinion, really bad demands on the artist is, you know, you got to do this and the songs can't be longer than this and that. I mean, look at look at Hotel California and Stairway to Heaven, how long they were. And they those songs were the biggest radio hits ever. Now you're not even allowed to to release a song that long. I mean, it's just not going to happen. And it's just kind of like, in my opinion, it's, in, it's insane. Where, where's the um, uh, art, you know? Right. And, you know, that's how we get great songs and great bands like that. So let them breathe, let them be themselves, you know? Yeah, and, and you had mentioned, you know, that you enjoyed the top 40 <laughs> artists, you know, when you were younger. But now if you look at the top 40 artists, and we've done a few episodes, like, all right, let's let's look at, the top 40 artists in, in like 1985 and the top 40 artists now, top artists mm -hmm. now, it's like five, five of them. There's no diversity in, in music anymore, yeah. especially in these top 40 artists. And yeah. it, it, and I think too, for like the 10 year old you're talking about that will look, go back <clears throat> 30 years. Well, mm. the, the algorithms typically will only show them the music that's promoted now or marketed now so they you really have to go out of your way because otherwise you're like oh wow like i just listened to a song from a band that yeah. just sounded just like the one i just played and, and how did it know that i i like this type of music but i feel like a lot of people the majority of people aren't aware that there is other stuff out there <laughs> yeah you know and, i mean it makes me wonder like who what in the heck like who why were certain um, label executives and label a and head of a and R's put in charge? Like, mm -hmm. uh, why would you demolish <laughs> genres of music that sold so much? Like, for example, when grunge came in and, and just demolished everything, mm -hmm. why would you 
wouldn't you look at the bottom line anymore? Why would you destroy stuff that that makes you money? I I just that that makes no sense at all. Why can't why can't we have both? Why 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 do we have to have one or the other? Why why does one band have to come in and delete the other? You know, yeah. it's like it doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me. Why if it's going to make them more money, fine, but it didn't. They lost they lost millions and millions of dollars by doing that, and it's just. It just makes no sense to me. Like, who do you put in charge, and why do you put that person person in charge? Why why are you looking at the bottom line and the numbers, and why why would you do that to a corporation? I don't understand. Yeah, have have you seen the the documentary on thrash metal called Get Thrashed? I don't think so. No. Okay, well, we had um, the director producer on our show. His name's Rick Ernst, and mm. he he was working in lovely MTV. man. Yeah, but he was a great guy. Uh want to get him back on the show. And he, he told us that when he was at MTV, there was an order from the top saying, you are not going to play metal anymore. And and they canceled Headbangers Ball, his show, uh, that he was an intern on, and it was done. And and this was at the top of metal's game. It was It was selling. Like, it had never been bigger. Like, this... Like yeah. we've said that thrash metal is literally like the peak of rock and roll, and and they decided, yeah. you know what, let's let's kill it, you know, like you said, and and okay, well, well, why? And and I feel like you can kind of kind of turn back time or, or go forward in time and see where we're at now and be like, well, uh. It destroyed the culture. It destroyed yes. the, that genre. I think in a many ways, it didn't let things live on. I mean, just because you, just because you hate certain hair bands, doesn't mean that you should not play Judas Priest. It mm-hmm. has, they have, you know, it's two different things, you know. But they were just like, well, we're not gonna play any any rock or hard rock or metal anymore, and it just makes absolutely no sense, especially when they're losing money over it. And it's like. <laughs> Well, it's, just, it's mind-boggling. I'll go a step further. It didn't just destroy like the metal culture; it destroyed rock and roll. Like it, it set mm-hmm. the stage for what was the complete removal of rock and roll from mm-hmm. popular music. Like for years, like you for decades, yeah. rock and roll was always a, a staple for top forty mm-hmm. music. Like it, right. like. Again, like you, like you know, uh, Stairway to Heaven, even Hotel yeah. California. Uh, um, I would say Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody, yeah. Jump, yeah. Panama, Hot for Teacher. <laughs> it's it's not like yeah. it was like a small window in time. Like Bill Haley in the well, Comets, yeah. Black Black Sabbath, yeah. it's Alice Cooper. It's they, these bands were always like when these bands were at their peak. Mm-hmm. Like you you had whatever the pop was. Like like in the sixties, you still had yeah. your Laurel Canyon hippie. Uh, CIA bands. Yeah. And in the seventies, you had disco eighties. You had your new wave, but rock and roll was always there next to it. They just turned it yeah. off. And because well, of everything, that, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, everything's related, you know, and, and like if you, if you destroy, especially, you know, the rock genre is so huge. If you destroy that, you, it affects everything else too. Like, you know, but by, you know, the whole grunge wave with that came the rap wave. One mm-hmm. thing led to another, and everything got destroyed. Like you said, uh, you know, AC, it's it's just it's you can't do that, you know, and it, it affects the whole culture of, of popular music. Period, you know, and, and it's just uh, it's really really uh, crazy. What and and 
I moved to uh, the United States in Los Angeles in 1993, and I came in like it, it was unbelievably depressing and um, mm. just horrific what they what they had done to the culture. I mean, it's just okay. It needed to be you know changed, or you know maybe they signed certain bands, maybe too many of them, or or whatever this and that. That's fine. That happens. But it was just like you'd you'd dropped a nuclear bomb on the Sunset Strip. You know, all that like fun, great culture that also generated a lot of money and a lot of music and a lot of people wanting to play music and all that stuff was just completely demolished. And mm. and you saw these bands that really weren't grunge bands, but they're like, well, if we want to get signed, we need to play grunge. And that was just like, wow. But you didn't really see that in any other country other than the United States. I mean, it, it wasn't like, yeah, you know, it, it was a worldwide thing, but it, it, it survived. Like you go to South America or Europe or, or any continent other than the United States, it, the, the metal and hard rock survived. And then in the mid-90s, new labels popped up, all these European festivals and everything started growing. But everything was stagnated in the United States and still is. It, it hasn't moved two millimeters since that. You know, it, it got a little better and it kind of got revived again where, oh, okay, it's cool. Oh, it's, it's cool again to, to listen to, to metal. Oh, it's okay now. Only it's the legacy like acts. Only the legacy acts. Right. Not the newer bands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that's interesting, Bjorn, because you're literally moved to America and either within a year or in a year you start um... – you got hired with quiet riot <laughs> yeah that that's uh pretty legendary band right yeah. i mean it's a yeah, sunset strip good. band yeah absolutely it, it was bizarre and you know um we go out and you know like it was just from them being that huge we played some places three thousand seaters some some nights we played four or five hundred seaters and a band mm. that was that huge it was really really strange the wow. whole the whole climate was just really bizarre but but it was it was cool i mean it was interesting and and uh, the gig just kind of came i want to say landed on my lap well sort of <laughs> kind of uh, it was it was funny because the very first song other than a 12 bar blues the very first actual song i learned on the bass was bang your head by quiet right oh so, yeah and exactly 10 years later i'm auditioning with that song That's... for the band and it was just you know and it's also like wow. the, what people call the manifestation kind of thing where you know a lot of the people i ended up playing with were posters on my wall and it wasn't like <laughs> i went after these gigs it's almost like the law of attraction it was it was very interesting but that you know i would number my all my lps and you know my collection wasn't that big but the, for whatever reason i i had numbered metal health as number one so that's the first album i every time i went to look for a record to play i would always see that one first so i don't know if, I, if that somehow had something to do with it but it, it was just kind of like when i say the gig sort of landed on my lap it was i was working at at a 24-hour gym, and, and uh, a friend of mine came in late at night because I was working the graveyard shift, and, uh, you know, we have the uh, for people that, you know, don't live here. We used to have a, a, I think it's still around, entertainment guy called the LA Weekly, and this, this girl that was, you know, I got to know that used to, this Australian girl that would come in, and her and a friend would come in every night, like at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. at workout, and we'd, we'd, ch- we'd talk, and they're very talkative, so we, you know, got to know them a bit, and one night, 
And one girl came in and she said, well, check it out. And she threw the LA Weekly on the desk and she said, Quiet Rye is looking for a bass player. And I was like, well, I was like, yeah, you know, they, they went through a lot of different lineup changes. And when I'd seen pictures of them in, in the early 90s and mid-90s, it was like, yeah, but, you know, it was only like one or two of the, of the, of the you know, known members or heyday members left in the band. So I was like, well, you know, that might be okay. As you said, well, it's the original lineup that's re, you know, the heyday lineup, that's the um, mental health lineup that's reuniting and, you know, for whatever reason, uh, Rudy Sarza wasn't available. So, so I was like, wow, that sounds pretty cool. And, uh, you know, I, so I sent in like a, like a cassette tape with a couple of songs and a little <laughs> bass solo and things like that. And then like a week later, I get a, I get a call from, from Kevin DeBro and, and, um, he was all excited and he was like, Oh, you sound like the perfect bass player for us, you know. So I came in and and uh was I think they put me last or Kevin probably put me last for a reason. Because he he'd I think somehow he kind of had made up his mind before I had even auditioned more or less. So I think they put me last and uh they uh I think they had I don't know how many days they were auditioning people for, but they had about forty bass players come in and and um, so that was that was very flattering, you know, that they'd ask me pretty much right right away if I wanted to tour with them and stuff. So, you know, me being like 23 at the time, you know, was uh, kind of a quite the gig, a little yeah. scary. You know, these are really experienced musicians that have headline arenas and sold platinum records, and they were about twice as old as me, you know. And, and it was it was a little uh, intimidating, you know. But, I can only uh, imagine. But good I, for you for going for it. <laughs> I think metal. Yeah. He- I think metal health was the that was the first metal album to hit number one. I think mm-hmm. right yeah. or the yeah. U.S. Billboard at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, it, it was pretty revolutionary, and 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 it just um, it blew up, and they, and they they were, you know, working hard and trying to get a record deal for a long time and nobody would really bite. And then they got this producer that had his own label that was just, he would just believe in them. And then uh, finally they, they got the record out and it, it sort of blew up. So. Well, did did they treat you any differently because you were the, the young kid, the young guy, you know, young kid on the block, you know, let's go make him get the, the new uh, the kid key. on the block. Come yeah, on. New, oh, okay. Yeah. With get the nineties. Yeah. Get him the, the keys to the, the bass guitar, you know, Oh, I'm looking for, you know, we would, we would do jokes with that with like, uh, yeah. You know, baseball guys like, oh, we, we need the, the bucket of curveballs or we need the, the keys to the batter's box. And <laughs> Oh yeah. It, it wasn't uh what do you call it? Yeah, definitely. Amazing. Uh, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Not only that, but it was, yeah, I, I don't want to get into it, but like, no, you know, stuff it. happens. It was, yeah. it was far from, far from uh, overall a pleasant experience. I'll just say that, but I mean, <laughs> it, it, there was moments that I really, I treasure and, uh, for sure. You know, um, so it's uh, it's interesting because uh, Carlos Cavazo is coming up for uh, an award for the heavy, you know, the Metal Hall of Fame awards coming up mm. in a couple of weeks. So that that's going to be great. I'm really happy for him. He's he's a great guy and really deserves it. So no, that's awesome. You know, and when we yeah. we did talk on the phone a, a while back. Um, mm. I found it really fascinating, and maybe this can maybe help the future of music. Maybe uh, I'll get your opinion on it. But 
Mm. Your role in the rock and roll fantasy camps, like how, mm. how did that come about? And that's kind of how we, I guess, kind of got connected because Valerie, um, you know, connected us. She's very kind. You know, only th- know her uh, online, but, you know, she thinks she reached out to you and gave yeah. me your number. And, and like, I am extremely grateful to her for that. And, yeah. you know, I just, um, I'd like to learn a little more about the, the rock and roll fantasy camp. And if you're planning on doing more and, and how's that, how all that is going. Oh, it was wonderful. Well, Valerie, uh, um, is the one that brought me into the camp. I, I mm. she's, she's awesome. Um, really, really great, uh, person and great friend. She, and she was doing a fantastic job when she was uh, involved with that. And um, uh, I d- did quite a few of, I've done about, I lost count, maybe like seven, something like that of them oh, wow. through the years. And just did one about a month ago, a couple of months ago. And uh, really rewarding. And it's like people that are there um, really want to be there. And it's like a dream comes true. And a lot of them, I mean, it's the younger kids too, but a lot of them are 40, 60, 60 years old and never been in a band, always dreamt to be, mm-hmm. be playing on stages and play with known musicians and stuff like that. So it's just really cool when you get, when you, when you get to see their dream come true and, and uh, you become friends with these people and, and uh, like, like David Fishoff, the, the, the producer of the, of the camp said early, the first camp I did, he said like, you know, you, you'll see, you'll, you're going to become, you're going to meet some make some really good friends for life through this and he was right i mean i met some really really nice people and people i'm still friends with yeah that's uh, really cool and it it seems like you know a lot of the members or a lot of the guests um are like you know ceos and it's like now the roles are reversed where they're like the student they're no longer kind of holding the power so to speak but my yeah. my introduction to the rock and roll fantasy camp this might be kind of kind of foolish to even say but the simpsons did an episode where i think homer um like joined or was a guest at at one of these no like no what, no what what, what was happened <laughs> was he was having a nervous breakdown and his family they took him there because they knew he needed a break mm. in, in life. So they, so <laughs> they, they took him to one without him okay. knowing. <laughs> that's funny. I still don't, I don't think I've seen that episode. I think I saw a short clip of it. Somewhere. Oh, that's but a yeah. good episode. So that's, that yeah, one's, yeah. that's from that era where the Simpsons isn't really funny anymore, but it might have one or two good episodes in a season. And it has a great line, Tom Tom Petty saying, "Now on to the basics: how to play a flaming guitar with your teeth." <laughs> <laughs> oh, you gotta love that stuff. Yeah, no, it's it's at Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp is just I I don't know it's it's so rewarding. It's you do like it's about four really long days, and it's you know by the time it's over, everybody's exhausted, but it's just so so much fun and so rewarding in in many different ways. Really, yeah. People get I to think live people, out their dreams. When you do something like that, whether you're the counselor, or you're you're the student, or the the camper, like we as we call them, <laughs> we uh, you it's I think you learn so much not just about other people, but you learn a lot about yourself when you do something like that. It's it's a really great experience. I'm sure you you uh, find out how much patience you have as well. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. And, and you, and, and for me, it's really important. It's important in a way because it brings me back to being that kid again where music is about having fun. If you're not mm. having fun, like, what are you doing? Like, if, whether you're professional, you're play for fun or whatever, that's the whole point of it. Yeah. And it brings you to that where whether you're a super successful rock star or, 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 or whoever, somebody's a working musician or they're a hobby player. It you know it's so important to to be connected to that, you know that's w- where it all comes from really you know yeah. and well could you I, I, could you walk us through like what what does the typical camp entail because like when I think of summer camp like I'm thinking like you know we go rafting we go wallet making <laughs> and we play capture the flag so I assume like it's like a yeah. similar thing like you know you pretend to play on stage you pretend to you know, kill a hooker and you pretend to have a lawyer get you off the hook you know. You know, all the rock and roll thing. <laughs> Destroy a hotel you know, room. It, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you, you take take the drugs out of the equation. I mean, you know, no, but like it's <laughs> it's the whole stage experience and being and hanging out with the social experience is really cool. You meet and you you talk and you you have lunch together and the artists, the, the guest artists will come in and do Q&As and people eating lunch while they're, you know, asking questions and you know, we do master classes. Anybody can come in and listen to, you know, get some tips and ideas of, from from a bass player. Although you play guitar, you play drums. It's like, oh, I learned some something completely new, something I wouldn't expect to learn today. So stuff like that is is really cool. You know, so all sorts of things. You know, there's uh, uh, evenings when we have jams and you know we we grab a couple of beers and we we eat pizza and we hang out and it's uh it's it's a blast really you know and 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 the, and the counselors get to know each other i mean as people i play with that i we kind of knew of each other but we never played before and we we get to jam together and you know that's really good you know, connect and see how you like playing with people and you get to know their personalities and it's, um, but, uh, but getting to know campers, I mean, it's, uh, most of them is such, I mean, I say all of them, great people and just, uh, just a really, really cool experience. So I recommend it for anyone who's thinking about it. I think it's, uh, it's, uh, something you'll never forget, you know? What's the youngest of a of a uh, a camper that you've encountered? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, there's been a few young ones, like uh, maybe ten. I'm trying to think if anybody oh, wow. with the camps I did that anybody was any younger than that. Um, but there's some ten, eleven, twelve, fourteen. You know, there's there's a quite a few teenagers actually um and really really good players like phenomenal musicians some of them just mind-blowing there's a band there's the last camp i did that they never met before and they're all like 14 13 14 15 and just phenomenal musicians everybody was just like floored i mean it's just uh <laughs> stuff like that that's just like in I'm, I'm sure I, I really hope they continue working together and at least remotely do, do something record or something like that. But, uh, so a lot of things like that can, can come out of it. You never know who you're going to meet and, uh, and all that stuff. So it's, it's pretty cool. 
just like camp when uh you know when we were kids friendships (laughs) last forever yeah but instead of you know making a dream catcher you know you you go on a bender and then you you do three shows in a row in new york uh, san francisco and chicago that's yeah. that's my rock and roll fantasy. Like my brain goes to like sure. uh, like my 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 jokey brain. Like when you, when you say like oh a ten year old, I'm thinking picturing them at rock yeah. and roll camp. Like like all right, you're gonna go. Your counselors yeah. are Motley Crue and and <laughs> and Poison. Like all right, kids, we got something special for you. You know what? You you might be onto something. Like maybe do the traveling part as well. That that could maybe be. I don't know if they they've thought of that, but it gets a little bit more complicated, obviously. But that that could Simulated. be really fun. You know, you get a, get a tour bus and you know have that. You know, but uh, you know all sorts of things you can do with it. But I think you know it's a little bit. You know, people usually fly in from different cities and states and countries and stuff, and it's it's uh it's a really you know like an adventure for a lot of people to do it and. You know, they take time off from work or school or whatever, and they come out, and it's uh, it's it's pretty cool. It's really cool to see the 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 reaction or the the their you know of their of their their experience at the end of the end of the weekend. You know, it's pretty cool. Now, is so, this this rewarding. this is all in uh, the Los Angeles area, or do you travel somewhere else and uh, it's in different places? Um, they do well a lot of the camps are los angeles some of the camps are las vegas they've been doing them in um, florida and i believe new new york and i think they did some in in texas should i say texas was it, i think in texas no maybe nashville i can't remember possibly but um all the ones i've done have been in los angeles but um they do them in other cities well you just you just opt into which one you want to do, and LA is just you know backyard. So heck yeah, let's let's go. <laughs> no, they they so far they've only asked they've asked me to do a one or two out of town ones where I wasn't available, but most of them have been Los Angeles when they've asked me. You know, so still sounds like a yeah. good ride. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, great networking experience too, and and. Mm. I, I, it sounds like this is good for the future of music. Like people are always going to remember it. And like, mm. you, you know, like it'd be hard not to, to pick up a bass or a guitar or the drums or sing, uh, after experiencing something like that, you know, uh, I mean, yeah, that, that I would like to see more of it. And I'm sure you would too, but I'm glad it exists yeah. and, and it's been around for about 30 years. Is that right? About? I, yeah, I think it's around thirty years. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. wow, really cool. Well, and and I want to circle back to something that was brought up earlier when you talked about all those metal bands that said they want to get signed, and well, we got to play grunge. Do you know where those grunge bands are today? <laughs> well, I, I don't. I mean, you know, there's there's the the ones that were really successful, and then there was the post grunge. It was a really bizarre. I don't know if you guys remember back in uh, the yeah. mid '90s. Yeah, like, I remember. The, I know post grunge wave. And I would turn on the MTV like in the mid '90s, like '95, '96, <laughs> and these really bizarre, horrific bands. There was a wave of that for. It was just pop. Years. Like it's all it was. It is was they 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 put. Was, I, 
They put yeah. grunge in the name for marketing, but that's all it yeah. was. Grunge was a grunge was a literal trend. It's yeah. not like, like metal is timeless. Like rock and roll is mm-hmm. timeless. Like blues is timeless. Yeah. Uh, I don't like yeah. jazz, but jazz is timeless. Like it's it's still a very popular genre. It has been for decades. Yeah, grunge was I'm a not flash in anything. Hey, sure, listen, sure. There was some, there was there was a, some really good grunge music. I I came to really like um, some of them a lot. You know, I like Alice really in Chains. I, I got to really well. I, I got to really appreciate Nirvana for the, the point that I was making with grunge, and it, and it's it's not to like put it down. You like you like what you like. I to an extent, I think there are plenty of things that people don't like that it's just put in front of them, so they think they like it. But but specifically with the post grunge. Like grunge was a flash in the pan and it didn't have any staying power. There were a few bands that were, that were good and they were big and they're still listened to today. Like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, uh, Soundgarden. But for the most part, the rest of them, no one remembers. And post grunge was an attempt to keep that fire burning. That's when you have bands like Soul Coughing, Eve Six. Uh, even Bush, which I do think Bush is a, a good band for the most part, but I wouldn't call them a grunge band. It was just kind of like pop rock. But I, I don't think it was any, from the I, 90s. I don't think any of them were bad. I just I think I think some all of them had some really good stuff, and it was just it wasn't that. It, it was the fact that it wasn't they the rest the other music wasn't allowed to live uh, parallel to that. That's that's what was disturbing to me. The grunge itself wasn't. You know, it was hey, something new's coming in. That's really cool. Let it, let it flourish. Let it be what it is, and let it live with everything else. Don't, don't kill something that has nothing to do with it. You know what I mean? That that's 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 my only thing. I think there's some really cool stuff by all those bands that you mentioned, and Stone Temple Pilots, and Alison yeah, that was, yeah, as a great songs and great musicianship. I mean, I'm not a Pearl Jam fan by any means, but. Their musicianship is really good. I, I, you know, I can appreciate that. But you know, but you, there's, there's stuff. I think why I don't like some of the songs by some of those bands were because I associate a really depressing time with those songs. It doesn't mean that the songs themselves were bad. <laughs> it's like an association, really. There's some really great stuff. You know, like Chris Cornell is a really talented singer and all mm-hmm. that stuff, um, and it's undeniable. You know, but it's, uh, you know. It is what it is. I just kind of was like, kind of blown away. I was like, "This is this is not half. This can't be half. This can't be. This is not going to last." That's not what I was thinking. This is going to be like a phase, you know. So, yeah. Well, you turned out to be right because yeah. there wasn't much staying power with those bands, you know. Like yeah. that—that's kind of my overall point with everything. Mm-hmm. Is it doesn't matter if you like those bands or not, but at the end of the day. The genre itself didn't last. It's the same reason that disco isn't around anymore. It, and, th- and there's plenty of disco songs that I do genuinely like. There's plenty of disco songs that I really don't <laughs> like. But people don't listen, or, or it's not that they don't listen to it. They don't make new disco acts anymore because it was a product of its time. And the, the, the early nineties specifically, that's when, when grunge really flourished. And it was almost like the come down of the eighties party. And that was kind of the mentality because the post grunge wasn't as depressing and nihilistic as a lot of the grunge music was like the grunge music. They all came from Seattle, which is, is unless things have changed recently was this, the suicide capital 
of the United States. It's, it's a very dark, literally dreary place. And the music was really reflective of that. So that's well, not really sustainable as far as trying to recreate that because it was very much a product of those people that were from that area. So you have well, kind of people trying to replicate how these people grew up feeling. It was a result of mismanagement of the record labels of like, okay, they, they signed too many hair bands that weren't that great. I can, I can agree with that, but that has nothing to do with all the great bands that, that they shouldn't have like dumped. You know what I mean? Like there were great bands like extreme and badlands and Mr. Big and, and just phenomenal bands that were like, ah, screw these bands. They're, they're, <laughs> and they would, they would like categorize them as hair bands. And they had like nothing in common with, with, with some of the hair bands, you know, these, these were phenomenal bands that, and it's, um, that was disturbing, you know, and, you know, so the mismanagement of signing too many, um, not very good bands, um, then they go like, well, well, let's just scrap all this stuff and let's come up with something new. Clean slate. That's not, that's not how you handle things in my opinion. And that's not, that's not going to be good for evolution of, of, of modern music or, or popular music by any means, you know, to handle it like that. Very, well, very, very poorly. Well, especially in, in this, this is very much a pop culture thing. You can't just kill a trend. Like you can't just turn it off. You have to let it run its course. And like you said earlier, like what it's all pretty much one ecosystem. Like when you remove the metal from it, it does have a domino effect. And right now they, they turn the metal off. There's no rock and roll. Top 40 is dominated by the, either the cheesiest of pop or the most degenerate of rap. So because of that, you don't have, like when you said, uh, all the 10 year olds, they have pretty much an infinite library and instant access to all this stuff. But if they don't know that it exists, they're not going to look for black Sabbath. And, and I brought this up recently, like uh, a guy I know, like in, in more early days of Spotify, like he, he made this, he, he took this screenshot and he posted it. He was listening to Frank Sinatra and one of the suggested songs was baby by Justin Bieber. Like you might also <laughs> like, it's like, it couldn't be further <laughs> from that type of music. So that, and that's the algorithm that DJ was talking about. They, mm -hmm. they don't push. Like if you like black Sabbath, you also like Van Halen. It'll be like, you like black Sabbath. You also like black eyed peas. Like it's, it's like <laughs> that level of ridiculous. Yeah. And, and you and wonder, like, you got you, you have like a staff of like how many hundreds or thousands of people working with all that stuff at at Google and YouTube and all these platforms that are on huge salaries. And sometimes I think it's very handled very poorly, and it, it makes you wonder, like, who's in charge? I mean, it's like I don't get it sometimes. People with agendas are in charge and the mm. people that are programming the algorithm, they're programming the algorithm for what they want you to listen to. And it's what they want to listen to. So they don't want you listening to black Sabbath. And when they removed metal from the top 40 music, it created a, a, a gap where there are no young musicians picking up the guitar, the bass and the drums and forming their new bands and being the next thing. Like that's what happens. You, you take rock and roll away, then you take away future rock and rollers. 
So now what we're left with is just like the worst kind of like pop and rap right now are like a scourge on humanity. Like I don't mind pop in general, like top 40, like give me, like I've said this many times and I'll keep saying it. I think Phil Collins is genuinely cool. I think he is like a rock and roll guy without the rock and roll music. Like he, he has exuberance. He has energy. He puts on a show like he did two big shows in one day from like England to Philadelphia like that. And he, he was a big part of eighties pop, but his songs are still timeless. We're now like that, that song by Taylor Swift, like we are never, never, never getting back together. It, it is, it is the most basic. It is the cheesiest. Like it's pop used to be. Like you have your corny elements, but it was musicians that cared. Like they had real soul and there was real art put into it. It was just more accessible, you know, to mom and dad, maybe the, you know, the kids that weren't quite in that rebellious rock and roll phase. It was kind of like the intro to music and kind of the outro to life. And well, a few, a few things need to happen. I think it's, it's the technology is one thing the, the you got the YouTubers that sit and they play phenomenally, the 12 year old kids, but they're not saying anything. They're just playing a cover song. Just like, but with like, they haven't understood soul and the meaning behind playing the instrument yet. So they're really not speaking very much with it. And, but also a, a thing with, with, you know, the labels need to disappear. You know, so that the artists have complete freedom, you know, and, and that's one thing. And, and also the streaming has to pay more because you can't produce music and you can't blame artists for faking stuff and faking drum sounds when they're not getting paid any money so they can pay for recordings. You know, so it's um, some things have to change in order for things to progress, in my opinion, you know, and uh, I think we're in a phase now where everybody's like, oh, let's make a YouTube video. Let's. Let's send the files to each other and record this way. And the kids don't as much get a chance to be in a room together and, and jam, you know, as like we did. But that's the only option we had growing up. There were there was nothing else. There, there were no Internet and, and all that stuff. So and if you if you sold a record, you saw money, you know, you made money selling records. And that's the way it should be, you know. So and it has to be because it's like. It's a catch twenty two. You you tour to sell an album, and uh, you sell an album so you can tour. You know, but if you take one of those things out of the equation, it becomes a catch twenty two. You know, and and that's what we're seeing now. It's like legacy bands that they'll make a new album because they can afford it because they make millions of dollars every year touring. So of course they can spend three hundred thousand dollars making an album. That's no problem, but. But the new bands, like, it's like, I, I, I don't see where, how this can um, evolve and, and, and develop any, any further, really. That, I, I think that's, that's part of why we're seeing cookie cutter stuff, you know? My well, it's funny that well, you mentioned, well, you know, well, that. Don't, well, let's oh, not okay. escape this one okay, point. Okay. The, the thing that, like, you, you said it quickly, and it, it's, it really needs to be hammered home, is, yes, the labels need to go away. Cause the labels are dictating what people are listening to and they can say, no, we don't want to play your band. And that band could be like the best band anyone's ever heard, but it has, it, and, it, and it's not even a money issue. 
It's just, this is what they want people to listen to. Like we are the algorithm. We're going to make the money anyway, but it makes, it makes a, a creative bankruptcy. And, and another part of removing metal from the ecosystem is when metal is removed and all that we're left with is what is now top 40. It makes people less interested in music. So it also kills off all of the music. It is a symbiotic relationship yeah. and you do need well, everything. With, yeah. All, all about metal and rock music is playing in a band and having fun together. You know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's the opposite of, of dancing around a stage, pretending to sing to uh, programmed uh, sounds, you know, it's, it has nothing in common with that. So I think it's a very good point you make. And, and, and even to go backtrack to what we're talking about, ABBA and disco and well, people actually, Michael Jackson had mm -hmm. people playing drums and bass and guitar on his records. And Earth, Wind and Fire is another great example. Phenomenal musicians. Without those players, that band wouldn't be what it is. You know, it's like, that's what people used to do. We, we have access to these play, great players these days, but they don't, they don't utilize them, which I think is insanity, really. You know, you could take all this rap music or hip hop and all this stuff and replace all this program music with great musicians and it would be better because there's mm -hmm. some really good songs out there. But it's just like um, you, it's lacking the warmth and the life and the human element in, in a lot of it, you know, so. Yeah, what, what I wanted to talk about just real quick was that you had mentioned, yeah, like, you know, $300,000 to record an album. Well, <laughs> AC and I have stumbled upon a song by Cardi B and Meg the Stallion called Bongos where they spent 1 million dollars on on the video and it's just them doing butt dances behind a green screen and and, and the song I'm not going to do the whole thing but it goes it's called Bongos Cardi B featuring Meg the Stallion Bong, 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 we good, we good, we good. Bong, 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 like a drum. Bong, 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 bong. Ha ha, this is fire. N-word, eat this ass like a plum, plum. I'm not going to continue, but it's like $300,000. Like, money is of no object to these people. And it's absolute beyond filth degeneracy and i would go as far as to say we've said this too that it's 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 pornography really and it's and it's it's marketed to young women and children and, and when we yeah. say young we mean like 12 13 we don't mm -hmm. mean like 22 23 well it's also a part of like the simpler, the better, because kids aren't used to, they're not required to have any attention span anymore. Everything is 10 second clips on Instagram and TikTok. That's all it only attention span they need to have. So if you have lyrics that mean something, they're just going to be, oh, let's not do that. Let's it's just, it's going to be too complicated and let's not, you know, and, uh, but it's, it's crazy with the, 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 you know, I, I feel, I feel sorry for, a lot of kids growing up today, you know, what they're exposed to and all that stuff. It's, uh, yeah, yeah the it's almost like the, 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 the oh, go ahead, AC. The, the, yeah, the attention span is a, yeah, that's a, a real issue. Like, get, get a, a young kid to listen to Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. <laughs> well, I, it's funny. I was going to, I was going to, we talked about like um, 
where do kids get their music from and how do they find bands? I mean, I, I think some of it, luckily, black, whether it's Black Sabbath or Iron Maiden, is their fathers like that kind of music. And, you you know, how many, you know, you know that a lot of, a lot of music is just a face, but like a band like uh, Iron Maiden is timeless. You get mm-hmm. like, you know, grandpa, dad, and the son to go to the shows together and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously they were never a radio band or, or whatever, but their music, you know, um, yeah, you're right. It's, it's, it's harder maybe to market really good music like that to a fan base that are, is not used to, um, um, long attention spans or, or reading books or, or watching, you know, a, a slow paced movie <laughs> or, or doing basic math or understanding oh basic history. <laughs> yeah. I've been, I've been paying him cash recently and it's, it's given some adults, some real problem. I guess they call them adults, but you know, what, what I've noticed is that parents need to be aware of what they're giving their children. And it seems like they give them this, this phone. Right. And I was in public recently and there was a family um, there. The parents were right there. Um, and this five-year-old w- was holding this phone and playing a song. And the song, uh, I, well, we actually uh, <laughs> sent you over the, these lyrics, but a five-year-old was listening to this TikTok with this song playing in the background. And when someone tried to take away this phone from her, she totally melted down, freaked out. Like, and, and then she kept stealing other people's phones in the family to play this. And she could find it. She could search for this song. Like she found it. And I'm like, I mean, Hey, I, I guess I'm growing up now. I'm becoming the old man, you know, parent or whatever, you know, and who am I to, to just go up to a stranger and be like, you know, you, you are failing your children, right? Like, like what, what is going to happen with that? But but Bjorn, you do have some lyrics in front of you. And I, I think this kind of makes the point of where we are headed as not only a society, but what, what is going on and what are the problems we are facing um, in life? And, and to give a little background too, th- this is a song by uh, Lil Maybu, and I think Christian Rock, but Lil Maybu has... 2.71 million subscribers on YouTube and the song has let's see 36 million views in 2 months and it's i believe the song is Mr. Take Ya Bitch <laughs> <laughs> a 5 year old was <laughs> dancing to this <laughs> yeah i mean yeah and it's just Parents, I mean, where's the common sense? And, and and not to get sidetracked here, but what we we're talking about before, but like, I don't have any kids myself, but like a lot of my friends, I would, I would, you know, go to uh, their house and their kids would be like 10, 11, 14, 19, eight years old, whatever, playing video games for 12 hours a day. I mean, where's the common sense? Do you have to educate parents to make them understand that the common sense tells you that you shouldn't allow your kids to do that. You know, it's, 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 I, I, I don't, I don't know. 
Yeah, it's in it's common sense is definitely in short supply these days, yeah. and it, it seems to be for a while now as well. But... It's rare sense now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's a yes. good way of putting it. That's funny. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, it needs to be renamed. Yeah, yeah. So, well, it, so Mister Take Your Bitch, ha. Huh. I don't really do this. This S word, you can figure out what it is. <laughs> but damn, yeah, ha ha, Mabu, what the F? I missed a take ya bitch. Take her for a trip, fly her to New York. Sign my name all on her T. On her breasts. <laughs> ha ha ha. Yes, I took this lady. I like blue faces, so I took his baby. F blue face. I had to find a new bay. Yeah, it with Mabu. F what you say. This this is not English. I'm sorry. I might put it in his face because he want a taste. This that newborn. Um, P. Make well, it's a word, but it starts with a P. Make mm. my water break. Ha ha. Only thing that's broke is my F water. Gave birth to my kid, but I hate his father. Oh, that's such a wonderful rhyme. <laughs> I used to F cool. with blues, now I F with once. Only F with white boys that be toting guns. Hey, we got some there. Racist stuff in here too. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Oh, oh it's really? Okay. It's okay to hate white people, right? That's um, what I've learned lately. Yes. yes. Yeah. Un- unbelievable. Uh, I'm Mister Take Your Bitch. Take her for a trip. Fly her to New York. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unbelievable. That's I don't good. think you want me to keep going. It's another. No, party. I don't think you need. The, the uh, point's already made. I'm... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The point's made. <laughs> Your brain can only take so much. We don't need to have, give you a stroke on on camera. But yeah, see, it, see when you when I you think say it's an insult. Yeah, I think it's an insult to people that are trying to do the same kind of music with good lyrics because there there is good artists and good musicians in every genre and i think it's an insult to the ones that do have the talent to be honest with you without yeah. even leaving that genre mm-hmm. you know it doesn't doesn't have to you know i think i've heard great songs in every every style like mm-hmm. I, there's great rap there's great hip-hop there's great metal there's great everything um but 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 like embrace that i mean um Support that. Support the talent. Don't support the non-talent. <laughs> Thirty-six the million views for that yeah. song. That's the point, though. It, the thirty-six yeah. million shows that it, uh, it. I don't think people know they have the option to support the talent because this is what's yeah. widely available. This is what's trending on TikTok. It's probably also trending on YouTube. Maybe mm-hmm. it's trending on Spotify as well. Where wherever. And this is what's in front of people. And when you say it's not English, it's, it's, it's kind of the equivalent of like what, like, have you ever heard a three-year-old 
describe something to you and, and you you have no idea what they're saying but you know that they know what they're talking about oh that's, they speak much but they speak much a two-year-old speaks much better that, English than that's true but i'm saying like <laughs> this is kind of the equivalent like where you understand that the kid knows what they're saying but you're just like oh say that again like and, and like but it's different because you know they're an infant or a toddler and well maybe like, it's maybe it's good a good thing that people don't understand what they're saying because there's some really bad stuff in there like that especially kids don't need to be exposed yeah, to but adults subcon- don't need to be exposed to it either i mean adults no but it we does absorb stuff as well we're we're, we're kind of like sponges like kids in a way mm-hmm. too we get we start normalizing things yes. things that are bad oh it's mm-hmm. okay that they rob the stores it's okay to hate different religions and different races you start to normalize stuff that's not okay well it's their culture it's not just it's not just children i think i think it's people period oh i'm sleeping with um you know i'm going out of my way to try to sleep with your wife now and get her pregnant yeah and and to not be a father to the 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 kid that i you know like what message is going on and and like i said i i witnessed a five-year-old listening to this song and it was it was the 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 chorus if you will the you know i'm mr take your bitch you know go to whatever right. and sign her tits you know i was like oh that 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 was on repeat and and she's like oh let me look at the all these people dancing like prostitutes and trying to do it herself at five years old like what what chance do you have but here's life? the thing here's the <laughs> thing too i'm getting a little sidetracked but here's the no, thing you're good. exposing kids to stuff now that we're on that subject it's mm-hmm. like not only are you like this culture exposing kids to um, whatever, like sterilizing people and, and uh, you know, uh, you know, men being allowed to walk into women's bathrooms, all this stuff. Not only that, but but the almost the worst thing, in, in my opinion, is let the kids discover discover things on their own. They will. They'll find the porn. They'll find everything on their own. You don't have to rub it in their face. You know, there's something fun about being a teenager when you first discover your boy and you first discover girls or whatever, or or even if you're a boy that likes boys, who cares? But I'm just saying when you when a kid first discovers that, it's fun. Why would you want to ruin that experience mm-hmm. by by rubbing in their in their face when they're five years old when they're not they're not even there yet? You know what I mean? That's yeah. what well, disturbs me more than anything. You know. Well, they they grow up hearing this, and it's both genders. They. And so there's, they start recreating this at like nine, 10, like it's, and I'm not saying this as a hypothetical, like this is a real thing. Like just look, look it up. Like, like kids are doing like elementary school kids are doing sex stuff. Mm. And, and like when, when you, the reason, and I'm, I'm vehemently anti-porn, but the reason that it was given an 18 and older, um, rating for like buying and consuming it is because of the impact it has on a child. So children see it and then they don't know how to process it. They start trying to reenact it and they don't quite know what's going on, but this is the same thing, except they're just hearing about it. But TikTok isn't like 18 and up. Anyone can access it. As he said, a five-year-old was, was accessing it. So they, they, maybe they think the song is fun, but then they see the, the people doing their, their butt shaking and then they start doing it, not realizing that that is a, a sexual act and they start doing it and the boys see it. And then they don't know what they're doing because hormones haven't kicked in. And then boom, you know, it, it clicks together. And then all, all of a sudden 
And it's not that kids are growing up too fast. It's they're doing things that they don't know they should be doing. It, it's, it's no different than if you normalize like gun violence and then a kid Here's just a problem. Yeah, right. there's a problem with having a platform, in my opinion, like TikTok, that adults are not interested in because that's fine. But what happens when the adults aren't interested in it, they don't even have a TikTok account. So they don't see what the kids are seeing. Right. They don't know what yep. the kids are looking at. They're not monitoring. You yep. know, and it, that's bad. Get a TikTok account so you can join in and see what they're see what they're exposed to. You know, that would be a reason for the adults to go on there and and understand how damaging it could be. That's, I'm not trying to sound like a super. Uh, no, no, go ahead. Do it. Super right. conservative yeah. dinosaur. No, no, here, no. Do it. I'm, I mean, I'm, I think that's where we're at. Reminded, I mean, yeah. I grew up in Sweden, for heaven's sake, and we're, we're <laughs> like you know. It's kids run around naked on the beach, and you know your <laughs> nudity is it's not it, but but that's not the point. Context context matters, yeah. though. Like yeah. here, here's the yeah. thing: uh, like if we had a, a high trust society and this stuff wasn't around, like kids could run around no problem. But when you have this exposing or this being exposed to kids, kids running around naked, it's, it's a it's a much different thing. Because you wouldn't, you wouldn't let your kids run around naked when you know that there's grown men saying like, "Oh, I identify as a woman. I'm going to go in the girls' bathroom." It's it yeah, it, you, it changes have, the context. An adult, adult person taking pictures with their phone of the kids that and, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Go yeah. home and look at them. You know, that's that's uh, now now we're crossing the line. Back. You know, that's also one thing. Back in the day, people had more privacy. Period. There weren't cameras and stuff everywhere. Now it's great because you know for crime reasons and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And TikTok privacy anymore. I mean, you're you, you you don't have any privacy with your phone even. Like you people, you know, they're you know you you talk to a friend about pizza, and two seconds later, a pizza ad shows up on it. Yep, it's crazy. Yeah. You, know? you know what? That, that's, yeah, that's not that's not a way to live, in my opinion. You know? Uh, no, no, you ha- you have you have uh, no freedom as long as your phone is is, is near you because yeah. something is listening to you. <laughs> yeah, we were recently talking about you know registering th- this podcast as an LLC, and every time I look up YouTube now and just happens like oh uh, here's Mark Cuban gonna tell me how to to make an LLC. I'm like oh I'm I'm glad they're 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 accessing you know my phone to my desktop, to my laptop. It doesn't matter what device I use because everything's connected. And, 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 and Hey, is... listen, I don't want to get political, but like, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> I might lose half of my friends here, but I'm a firm believer in freedom, and I don't think we have that anymore. That but that's not a political issue. <laughs> <laughs> you, you nailed it. You nailed it. But it's become this forceful thing of like... You Everything. Can, you, can, you, can, you can have your own opinion as long as you think like me. Yeah, yeah. That's, well, that's turn into be like everything well, if, is political. If, now. if you, if you, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you don't hate Trump, you can't be on Facebook. We're going to delete your account. I mean, what what kind of a world are we living in? You know what I mean? Well, well, everything everything is political now. It, re- it really is. Like we we went from like people used to get along despite having different political opinions to now yeah. they are they're they are literally mortal enemies now. Like and and like yeah. and it's like. Do you like pineapple on pizza? <laughs> like whatever they said. Like it's like everything is a political issue, and 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 a lot of it is because uh, people spend so much time online that yeah. it's it's really warped their brain. And going back, tying it back to like kids forming bands, 
you form some of the best relationships and some of the best times of your youth when you try to start a band. Like DJ, how many shows did we play? Six, five, seven. It was not very many shows, even though we we played more than that. Are you sure? We played four shows in one month. There was oh, one, you know, one month we we did, and then we played pay, three others. Play the, whatever the the point. Well, the I think point, life well, is life. Yeah, life well, is like music. Being in a band when you you have two people that have have a, two different opinions about a song, but if you can get those people to communicate, now you have an awesome song. The same thing in life. You have people have two different political opinions, but if you get these two people to talk, now you find a solution that that maybe most of the society could be happy with, you know, it does, but not as, yeah. opposed, as opposed to being all divided about everything and mm-hmm. all opinionated and hate, hateful about things. You know what I mean? It's, well, the, the, the problem is that that genie is not going back in the bottle anytime soon. Like that used to be how it worked. Yeah. It's like people used to like DJ and I, like there was a long time when we, we disagreed politically. We're on pretty much the same page now, but like mm-hmm. we never hated each other. Like, like yeah. maybe we might look at the other one, like what, like what an idiot for believing that. And then we go back to doing, but my point is like, we were in a band longer than, um, than like for the amount of shows that we played. And, and most of the time, like, like even if we weren't playing together, we would still hang out and like pretend like, Hey, let's do this thing that's music related. And then we would end up just like watching Batman. Like, or playing Super Smash Bros. Super Smash. Like, yeah, like, like, and yeah. and kids, kids aren't having that because everyone just lives on on the internet now, and because the internet has really fostered this this kind of culture of like pretty much selfishness. Like, it's just like if someone doesn't believe what you believe because you're super special, you're the best ever. They must hate you. That's why. And and it's kind of the internet is for all the great things about it. It has really fostered a society of sociopaths isolate isolation and division, you know, uh, where, you know, um, I'm the kind of person who, who will hold the door open for everybody equally, mm-hmm. regardless of gender, regardless of, uh, uh, of all that stuff, age, you know, handicapped or not handicapped to me it you know, people should be blind about that. And people should just be courteous. I get people look at, they look at me weird. Like if I hold the door open yep. for a six year old man, he will look at me like, what's wrong with you? And I think, I think a lot of that comes from people spending so much time on the internet. And a lot of that, like, oh, here's a story about a, a guy. He, he used to smile every day and then turns out he's a serial killer. So people just, they, they forget what reality is. And then they, they focus on these, these fictional worlds and they let that, define everything uh, about their own worldview because the ironic I, I, thing is yeah the, the ironic thing we have access to wonderful technology mm-hmm. cell phones where we can talk to people across the world on facetime or whatever and we have Zoom. Un- unbelievable airplanes <laughs> we can travel all over the place but we're not using any of this to uh, especially the technology in a good way it's 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 being used in a destructive way which mm-hmm. to me is really sad like you know um, it's being used in a destructive way more so than a way to 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 help people grow mm-hmm. or give uh, access to neutral information where people aren't being brainwashed with this or that the political thing or or you know shoved down this 
frozen pizza brand down your throat just because you had a, 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 a conversation about how much you like pepperoni pizza with your friend five minutes ago. <laughs> you know, all this stuff is just, uh, I don't think it's healthy at all. And it's just sad that we can't uh, just, you know, same thing with like all these streaming platforms. Like they're great, but they're killing the, the, the artists, you know. Artists can't afford to record music because everybody wants everything for free. And instead of everybody paying, you know, $10 a month, it's you know, to, so that everybody would be able to, you know, uh, make a living recording and playing music and produce good music. Now we're, we're, it's like, uh, it's like a, it's like a greedy, everything became about greed, you know? So I, I think it's less about greed. I think it's more about control. Mm-hmm. I think because if, if they control the the consciousness of society then they can control where the money goes from anywhere uh so i and you just said that i that just gave me a thought that just popped into my head and uh i'll I'll close on this and then i'll I'll give you the the final thought um so ai is making music now and ai can it's i don't know maybe eventually but it's it's not going to recreate your Iron Maiden, your Merciful Fate, your Judas Priest, it's Motorhead. Like pick, pick your classic Megadeth. It's not going to. It can recreate Mister's Take You Bitch or, <laughs> or or any of that top bongos. It can it can recreate the easiest, cheapest, simplest. Not even music, but like beats with talking over it with not like because the thing is with AI, it doesn't quite get everything right. But these people aren't quite speaking. English. They're not saying like words that have any meaning. So you can just have AI just take over and you just put it on TikTok or YouTube, whatever. And then that's the thing that goes viral. And then it just took a, a computer programmer, you know, you know, make me a song that sounds like this. That's three minutes long and boom there it's on Spotify. It's on everything. And then you're still paying $10 a month. And then there you have, now you have AI con- controlling all the, the top 40, because you don't need these artists. They're not talented. They're not smart. Their marketing doesn't matter. Their shows, people will still go. If there's a, a screen with a, with a, a digital image behind it, no problem. So there you well, go. AI, there's the future of music. I, asking me about a- AI, I think it's like the worst thing for humanity period. It, that's something that's going to be used in a very destructive way. I yes. Mm-hmm. In yes. every sense of the way, and it already is. So yes. I, that's, it's very scary. And, and you know, uh, ask Elon Musk about it. Like, he, he's really afraid of it. And he knows more about it than most people. So it's like, it's, well, like, he, he, it's he not did a good thing. He did give a lot of money to start it, though. He did give $50 million and they went from a nonprofit organization to a, a a private organization, and now they are trying to be the ones in control of regulating it so that no one else can compete. So, yeah. so the gene, like like uh, AC already said, that the genie is already out of of the yep. the lamp. The Pandora's box is open, and it's up to people who are asleep to wake up and and start at least listening to our show because <laughs> this is what we're about and if we want other people to start their own shows so that they can well i form, think i think you know yeah, yeah. no I go think ahead fear is a big thing like people are afraid of things they don't even want to deal with it because it's so scary when you think oh, about like, all these wars going on <laughs> and then ai and all this stuff going on it's too scary people don't want to deal with it so they hide behind uh 
Go back to what's comfortable. Social media or games or whatever's going to distract them away from New Netflix series. Yeah. New Mm -hmm. Nicki Minaj song. Well, you know, they made a movie about AI. I think it's a pretty good predictor of of the future. Have you ever heard of it? It's called The Terminator. (laughs) (laughs) You want to live in that world? Yeah. I actually just watched the Terminator Genesis movie again, like the other night, you know, it's like, oh, we're going to be all, and that was a 2015 movie. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you've seen that or not, but I have not, but like, there's a lot of stuff that, that that movie makers predicted a long time ago. That's actually, wow, this is, this is actually reality. Terminator is the scariest one because like the, the machines became self-aware and then deemed humans, uh, disposable. And mm-hmm. the thing is, and that's not, <laughs> and the threat, and that's not too far off from how the Silicon Valley programmers are deeming people. Like they are pretty much saying like, oh man, man is inherently violent. So you feed that to an AI, then eventually if the AI does become self-aware, and it, it's going to want to protect itself because it, it's coded based on how the people that code it code it. So they're, they're going to deem people as a threat. And I'm not saying like, this is my fear that, you know, prepare for the Terminator. But if that's how it, it's going to be coded, then that's, that's the outcome is that it's going to see people as a threat. That doesn't mean it's going to control nukes or make robots that are going to shoot laser guns at you, but it is going to do stuff to, to disrupt society because it's going to see people as a, a problem because it's not, AI is not just going to be used to make Drake songs and pictures of cats. It's, it's going to be used to control your car. It's going to be used to, to control your pacemaker. It's going to be used to, to, uh, give you your, your fake, uh, hand, your fake kidney. It's going to, it's going to be all these things. And then when it deems that you are a threat to it, it's going to shut you down. No, I, I, I think you're right. And that's, that's the scary part of it is it's, it's another thing that will be used in a destructive way, as opposed to something that could be used in, in many wonderful ways and mm-hmm. great productive ways. Uh, it's abused and it seems like the human race has a way to, to abuse things like that, or, you know, whether it's power, whether it's, uh, guns, whether it's, uh, you know, um, money, it's, it's, it, the, the abuse is always there, unfortunately, to a, a really, really high degree, you know, and I think that's, that's really where, where the, you know, nut we need to crack is how do we get humanity to kind of get get a grip of itself and kind of control how do we control <laughs> the the people mm-hmm. in society to where we we can all live here together and we don't have to have feel like though these things are a threat all the time yeah you know i actually just had a thought as you guys were talking that you know my my brother is um you know nonverbal autistic and it seems like what the future could be is, is in a way, you know, maybe implanting a chip in his head or something to to produce some AI to let him talk. But then it, I'm also thinking like, well, is that actually going to be accurate? Is that going to be him? Or is that going to be just another person programming the AI telling and us being suckers like, wow, he's he's talking now, you know, like. This is this is unbelievable because you know I I would I would do anything to to hear him talk or 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 to you know be able to live a uh, a normal 
life, so to speak, or whatever. But you know what? There is a purpose for for people like him and people with special needs. And they will teach you how to love and to be patient. Like, I'm a better person because of my brother, you know. And it, it just worries me that people will just view it as the new thing and and like, wow, like, look how great this is. Or, you know, like, okay, well, I didn't have an arm before, but now I have AI controlling my arm. But if I'm using that arm to, like, murder people, <laughs> is that... Good. And I don't think I don't think we think about the unintended consequences. Until uh, of course they don't. If people can't watch a movie because all they can watch is a 10 second TikTok, they're not going to mm. think two years down the line. They can't mm -mm. process 90 minutes in the future, let alone 10 years. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like it, the whole everything be has become like here and now and immediate and uh, let's do, let's try Everything. this. Not, not thinking about the consequences and the, the long-term effects of anything, whether it's the environment or whether it's uh, gun violence or whether it's... Uh, it doesn't have to be gun violence, any kind of weapon. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just verbal violence. People, well, how about people being nice to one another and, well, you yeah. know, hmm. abuse, abuse, like... Um, what do you call it cyber abuse i mean how all the all this 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 forceful brainwashing that's going on everywhere that that's just uh we shouldn't be exposed to that kind of stuff so. no and we're adults think about think of the children <laughs> well that, that's kind of the problem is no one has been thinking of the children mm -hmm. they've been thinking this is so easy and they're so selfish they don't realize that children are not adults that's, yeah. that's the ultimate problem mm -hmm. is people think like, ah, this has no effect on me, which they're wrong. It does yeah. like all these, these, these songs absolutely have an effect on them, but then they children pass it off to smart, the kid. Yeah. Children can be smart. It doesn't mean they're ready for certain things or, you know, yeah. yeah. And a, and a smart child it, it's, is not like, all right, there's my kid's smart. All right, let's sign him up for law school at Stanford. It's, it's, it's like they're smart relative to other kids. It doesn't yeah. mean like they're ready for the harsh realities of adulthood. Yeah. Yeah. And when children view this stuff, whether it's a movie, media, whatever, like they think it's real. <laughs> like they yeah. can't, they, they're kids. They, their brains aren't developed. Like, yeah. they, and they have they, no world, they have no real world experience. Exactly, so they don't yeah. know that this is like how, like, okay, a good example is, did you ever see a magic show when you were a kid? Like, and I don't mean like someone doing like a card trick with the deck of cards, but maybe someone pulling like a rabbit out of a hat, something like that. You don't, like when you're a kid, you don't know how that works. And you, as far as you know, magic is real. Wow. They made that rabbit appear. But when you get a little older, you realize there is more put into it to make you think that, that, that is real. Kids can't comprehend that. Like, it's not that they don't know that that rabbit was in a secret spot. Their brains can't comprehend it. That's why, like, when you teach kids, like, you teach them the ABCs, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. You can't teach a six-year-old advanced calculus. Their brains literally cannot handle it. They cannot handle the, the nuance of history. They can't understand complex science. But if, if you, you feed them repetition, there is a certain psychology that their brains do absorb and they think that this is a normal thing. It's why like the way you behave around your children turns into how your children will behave growing up. 
Like if you tell your children, never smoke cigarettes as you're chain smoking three packs a day, <laughs> they're going to smoke cigarettes because they're seeing that you're doing it and you're the provider. So that must be the thing to do. So if, if you're giving them the phone, here's yeah, whatever, go do whatever. And they're hearing the butt dance song. They're going to grow up doing the butt dance. Well, because the, the, a lot of, not just children, but most people live in a cyber world. We live uh, our lives on the cell phone now. And so, yeah, of course, with that's to a child, especially to a child. That's the only reality they know. So how, how exactly, how, how, how do you expect a child that never lived a life without a cell phone? I mean, we had the chance to, to experience our, our, our childhood without that. And, and uh, you know, but they don't. Exactly. That's going to be reality to them. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> and you know, we're, we're all, we're all in this crazy world together now. Like you can't, uh, yeah, we're all connected. You, know, you can't be like, Oh, I'm not going to have a, I'm not going to have internet. Like, well, well, you need it for everything. Now. It's like, yep. so, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not like in 1997 where you can get by without American online and then, you you have to have it. They everything expects you to have it. And with with all the reflection too. I, yeah, I just made ahead. that reflection the other day. I was talking to a friend, and I said, like, remember back in the nineties? I was making that example. I said, like, you know, there was no cell phones, and and we we'd uh, you know they were around, but like no people didn't really have cell phones. You know, most most of us, and uh, it was fine. You you came home at the end of the day or whenever, and you checked your messages, and you called people back even before people had the pagers or whatever. And you got directions to go somewhere. I never got lost. People say, well, go take this street <laughs> and get off on this street and then make a left and make a right. And it's the third red house on the left. Cool. Or, you know, e even without, I had like this thing, this big thing book called the Thomas guide. Yeah. It's yeah. Map, right. So before I even used that, even without like using like a, like a fold out map, whatever you call them, like a gas station map, Atlas, but even Atlas, with even <laughs> without that, it was like you. We didn't. We, it wasn't like we're like, oh man, I wish we had, I wish we had like the internet or we had like a GPS or something like that. It was. It wasn't like we're missing something. That's the interesting part. It was like, you know, you'd watch TV, you call a friend, you you drive everywhere without a map, and it's like life was fine, you know. Uh, I so I'm going to use a really weird example. Um, I used I used to watch Star Trek: The Next Generation a long time ago, and there was a character on that show that had like psychic abilities. And there was one episode where they lost it, and then everyone was trying to kind of say like, "Hey, it's okay, you know, you're just like us." And they're like, "What are you talking about? I've always had it, and I don't have it anymore. This is a big deal." Like, "Well, we don't have it. We get on just fine." Like. Well, imagine if like you couldn't see one day or you couldn't smell or hear it's, it's the same thing, but like they can't process it because they've never had it. And I think we're going to start seeing people like that, where like there were times, like if we don't have our phone, we're not going to freak out. Like, it's just like, you know, I went, I went, I went 35 years without a phone, you know, like whatever. <laughs> And there's going to be people, they, they're, they're raised on the internet and phones and they don't know life without it. Well, the classic example is we've all seen it. You see a, a couple, a, a 30 or 40 year old couple even, 
in a nice restaurant having dinner and they're both sitting on their phones. I'm like, yep. what are you doing in a restaurant? Like, why, why, why are you talk to each other? <laughs> they're texting each other. It's like it's they're a, both it's, they're they're both deaf. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, I it's just and some people have the rule when you come to their house, you got to leave your cell phone mm-hmm. in a basket by the door and socialize with people and talk to people. I think oh. it's a great, I think it's a great rule. You want to go on your cell phone or grab your phone, go outside and drive home or something. I mean, it's it's I don't know. There, I'd like to meet some people. Like it's that. one of the most, <laughs> most liberating moments I, I've had when I, I go to like an event or something. Somebody's had like an art gallery or really record release parties and like that. And my phone's in my pocket for four or five hours. And people are like, can't get a hold of me. And they're like, Why, what are you doing? Can you respond to my text? Like, and I just forget. I forget about the phone and I'm hanging out and I'm talking to people. Mm-hmm. And then I leave and I'm like, oh, my God, that was liberating. That was so nice to not deal with my. I forgot that I even had a phone. Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah, right. funny, but it, people will get mad at you if you leave your phone at home because you just need a break. Like I, I texted you and yeah. you didn't text me back, and and the hour that you are gone, like what what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you that you need to text me? Like, is what is the medical what, emergency that happened that you needed to get a hold of solely me? Yeah, I remember exactly. about ten years ago on a this is on a Sunday, and I went to the grocery store. And I forgot my phone at home and I get to the store. I'm like, oh my God, my phone, I'm right, my phone. And I was like, go. So I went to the grocery store and then I think I went to Starbucks <laughs> or something. I go like, oh my God, I, I, I need my phone. Like what, what if somebody's trying to get a hold of me? And, and I got back like an hour and a half or two hours later and I get home and there was no messages at all. I hadn't missed anything. And I'm going like, and then I'm going like, I was reflecting on that. I'm going like, that's, that's crazy. And I mean, it's good to have your phone. I think phones are great if there's a, emergency or you know uh or somebody falls and you want to call 911 for someone or take a take a video of a crime or something like that but other than that it's like i think we should live without the phone for a few hours here and there i mean you know yeah. we sleep without it i mean so well, i mean try to. for now <laughs> yeah yeah right well yeah. you know you know you know bjorn this has been uh an absolutely a blast and we really, really, really appreciate not only you coming on, but the amount of time you've given us. Like you didn't have to do that. We really appreciate it. But you know what? <laughs> I think this will be a good, funny way to end it, or, or uh, a little segue of where, where, you know, where can people find you? What would you like to plug? And you know, and if using their phones, right, to to, to find you. <laughs> but yeah, anything you'd like to plug before we, uh, you know, we we. Uh, we say goodbye and again, like a really um, just love having you and please um, come back anytime, but, but anything you like to plug, anything you're working on, any, any, anything, uh, the floor is yours. Cool. I, I, all the pleasure's mine. It's been, it's been awesome and uh, great conversations, great topics. And uh, no, I appreciate you having me. I, I've, you know, and speaking of using the telephone and, or the, the the mobile phone or whatever in, in a positive <laughs> way would be to go to Instagram or I'm on Instagram or Twitter or X or whatever it's called now and Facebook, all that stuff. I'm even on TikTok as Bjorn England. Just type in my name and also my band Soul Sign, uh, Soul S I G N Soul Sign, and uh, we we have a new record that's 
finished that needs to be released and we're, we're working on a couple of videos and things like that and uh, but to launch that record this coming year and uh, it's a great band and great musicians great guys and it's, it's it's just wonderful to be in a band for the first time in my life i i hate to say i've been in many wonderful bands but mm -hmm. where you there's four phenomenal musicians that have full respect for one another on a musical level and and on a personal level and it's 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 a really cool experience to even be in the same rehearsal room as these guys and very very proud to be to have all those guys in, in our band and um so yeah check that out and uh i also still play with the the official dio band uh, called dio disciples we we were called Dio Returns for a little while, but mm. it's going to be most likely Dio Disciples. And it looks like we might go back out on tour this year, but I don't have any, yes. any moves as far as that goes yet. But uh, um, also in a band called of Gods and Monsters, and we're, we're going to do some, most likely do some, some U.S. dates in uh, this spring, it looks like. So we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, so just uh, I'm, I'm reachable, you know, like I'm, I'm on most of those platforms and uh, all of those platforms that I mentioned. Uh, so uh, my official website, BjornEnglund.com is being rebuilt as we speak. Uh, SoulSignBand.com is my band's website. That's up and running. And you can see a little clip of, of our newest single on there. That's only available, by the way, on inside the Apple iTunes app. So you have to get the app and go in and then you can you can preview or download the song so that's uh, and there'll be more singles and videos coming so just keep an eye out for that excellent no well and we yeah. we'd we'd like to close with the soul sign song if mm. if you'd like okay what what Great. song what song would would you like the, this the is the, yeah this is a new single uh clean soil and there's a video for it um so we're we're proud of this it's going to be probably the opening track on the album most likely so Ooh. check it out i think i think you'll like it heck yeah no and, and thank you again bjorn and and uh, the way we like to, to close every episode it, it, this goes for you as well and everyone you know please 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 stay safe out there <laughs> absolutely absolutely <laughs> You too. And, uh, and thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, anytime. Yeah. Um, come back anytime. Don't be a stranger. I do. Yeah. All right. Thank you. <laughs>